I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. What's it like to love somebody to the end of the world? We sing about this deep and passionate type of love in our various songs and read about its allure and intrigue in many genres of poetry. But I had neither pondered nor comprehended the deranged and dysfunctional mindset that could captivate, capture, and consume a soul until I learned the dark and deadly history of the road I grew up on. This podcast, Watered Down Women, begins by introducing three ill-fated souls whose life's courses led them along the same path and guided them to the same heartbreakingly painful ending. These young ladies didn't live long enough to develop gray hair, wrinkles, or age spots, but their stories are as old as time, and I invite you to accompany me on this journey as I acquaint you with their tragedies and escort you along their devastating avenue of destruction and toward their sorrowful entrances into eternity. On a midsummer's day, as I walked through the woods on our property, I recalled memories from my childhood and how my mom forbade me and my sisters to enter the wooded area at the end of our street. For several years, she would drive out of her way to avoid even seeing that space. And the dark, tree-laden stretch of roadway still haunts our family to this very day. I continued along my walk, and then, on a strange and sudden impulse, I decided to visit those forbidden woods and journeyed back to the north end of town, an area derogatorily referred to as Little Kentucky. I parked in the church house lot at the top of the road and began to walk toward the woods. As I slowly made my way, I realized that this entire area was a source of deep-rooted anguish for countless others, and terrible memories came flooding back as I became determined and, oddly, compelled to revisit the sites of such intense pain, sorrow, and devastation. To say that the scenery had changed would be an understatement. The entire west side of the road was void of houses, with the exception of a new construction placed meticulously at the halfway point on the street. To my right, I counted five remaining houses, each one resembling an aging film star who had desperately applied layers of foundation in an attempt to conceal her scars and blemishes. Could this seemingly innocuous location truly be the area that fostered the onset of the numerous murders, suicides, and other self-destructive behaviors of its former tenants? I hesitated before trying to remember the setting of Evil's last rampage. I walked to the empty lot that once held the infamous death house. Gone was any and all physical evidence of the crime. The blood-stained floors, shell casings, shattered glass, and of course, the lifeless bodies. But in my mind, it was all still there. A faded black tar-papered dwelling with a rickety run-down porch. 
The front door was made of pieced-together lumber, and its whitewashed exterior was faded to the dullest shade of gray. I couldn't properly place the windows. Was it one big opening in the front, or a series of smaller, odd-shaped cutouts? Regardless, there is no escape route for those who were seized in their own home and then shot like fish in a barrel. I paused in a moment of silence for the dead and then said a prayer for those who had survived the massacre. Next, I walked further down the road and moved on toward my former childhood home and instantly felt a nauseating pain in the pit of my stomach. As a child, I hated living on that street and dreamed of moving far away from its filth, poverty, and the succession of outhouses that wafted their putrid stench across the entire neighborhood. Our family home originated as a two-room chicken coop, and after several makeshift add-ons, it once housed my grandparents and 11 of their 13 children. Crudely built houses were erected onto every available space around us, and our neighborhood embodied an Appalachian skid row that rivaled any big city slum. When I was young, our house was always a hotbed of activity and conversation. And then one year, something happened. Something very bad happened. I remembered eavesdropping on the hushed whispers among my family members and tried to piece together the gist of what had happened. I learned that my uncle had gruesomely killed himself along with his adulterous girlfriend. But my six-year-old mind couldn't quite comprehend the magnitude of long-term effects or the tsunami of heartbreaking losses that would follow this event. But I knew it would disastrously alter the lives of many families, most notably my own. At that moment, I realized my visit to the Forbidden Woods would have to wait for now because as horrific as this incident was, even those two lovers weren't the first to meet their fate on that sorrowful ground. The initial double killing happened before I was born and across the street from the house I grew up in. Recalling these two deaths suddenly changed everything and I immediately knew that I must tell the story of this macabre region. The first tragedy began in the early morning hours of a blustery January day. A three-room house doesn't offer much space to take cover when a maniacal and habitual abuser decides to end his misery and forces his tormented wife to join him on his journey into endlessness. Fortunately, and in this instance, the assassin's focus was laser sharp, and other than him and his bride, there was no immediate collateral damage. I recalled seeing old photographs of the original house, and then gazed in amazement at the impressive and quaint new cottage that stood proudly on the site of the first murder scene. What once was a mud-covered lot filled with broken-down cars, empty 50-gallon oil drums, and mountains of discarded trash was now blanketed in beautifully tended flower gardens that outlined a perfectly manicured lawn and hid any reminders of that grotesque 
and dreadful morning. The aroma of sweet floral fragrances permeated all remnants of death stench, and a soft breeze echoed the melody of fluttering songbirds. But even their peaceful twitters couldn't suppress the haunting cries from that long-ago day. I stood there quietly, thinking about three women, separated by decades and ages, but who would forever be united by their tragic circumstances. Hailing from different regions of the country, how did they end up here? Why did they end up here? If each person's life is a part of God's divine plan, then why this trio of gentle, trusting souls would meet their demise under eerily similar conditions and within such close proximity led me to wonder if a supernatural force guided their fateful paths or if their misfortunes could be attributed to a commonality of poor choices or each one's decision to simply love the wrong person. But what if it was something different? Something entirely different? Have you ever visited a place and suddenly you're overcome by the feeling of uneasiness or dread? Maybe a chill runs down your spine or the hairs on your arms stand on end. Sometimes what may not be visible to the naked eye might only be detected by one's psyche or subconscious. Most of us can recognize the difference between reality and non-existence. But just because something can't be seen doesn't mean it's not there. I stood motionless for several minutes, thinking that as far back as Adam, we've heard of land being cursed. But what if an area was foredoomed in a different way? Instead of the ground itself being damned, what if those who occupied the area were ill-fated? I suspect this to be true, particularly of this very road. In researching the lives of these women and learning the accounts of others who subsequently suffered their own misfortunes, I'm convinced that this unassuming area is a breeding ground for heinousness and suffering. Although I spent the first 21 years of my life figuring out how to escape its bond, now I am repeatedly and compellingly drawn back there, almost as if it's daring me to discover its secrets and challenging me to ask why. Well, not only am I asking, but I plan to dig deep and uncover all of its victims, even if that includes myself. If you want to join me, grab a shovel and let's get started digging up the tragedies of watered down women. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the street. A fool's paradise hoping to be free. Found a new home in the cemetery. Weekend in life, while searching for love. No pain in this world, with no help from above. Passionate promises made with each breath. 
deceptive affection ended in death. Girl's shattered image of a fairy tale life was filled with the agony of bruises and strife, reaching for anything to resemble promise, not knowing the savagery that was a mess. Watered down women. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered-down women.